Welcome to Above and Below, a Salt Life podcast where we're going to be exploring above and below the surface. We'll take in a deep dive into the world of fishing, diving, and surfing. Every week, we're going to sit down with experts to learn more about them and get their freshest, hottest takes on all things salty. What's up, everyone? Welcome back to Above and Below, a Salt Life podcast. I'm your host, Kieran Anderson, and today we have Dennis Isbister on with us. What's up, Dennis? How's it going? Good, buddy. Just got back from a crazy uh, week at ICAST in Orlando, Florida, from the business part of uh, Wild Fish, Wild Places, and, you know, back home, getting ready to head to northern Saskatchewan on in a couple of days to chase lake trout and pike, and, yeah, just rolling. Dude, you are sending it. You just got back from Alaska, yeah? Yeah, yeah, the, the, the Salt Life videos that we're dropping now are from one of my favorite places in Alaska, actually. Yeah, Yakutat, Alaska. Wow. So talk to me about that. We were, I know we were kind of chatting before this, but um, for the people that were not listening in, I was like frothing out. I said, hey, dude, there's surf there. Tell, tell me where you went. Tell me about the spot. And you said you went to a surf shop there. And I've never in my whole entire life thought there would be a surf shop in Alaska. So let's get into it. <laughs> right. And, I, and I'm not a surfer at all. And I went to the surf shop. That's how cool this place was. So Yakutat, Alaska, very remote part of, um, you know, that kind of that Southeast Alaska that runs down along the coast, big glaciers, cold weather, you know, big rivers, the whole deal. And there's a surf shop in Yakutat, Alaska, because it's got these huge famous waves there. There's been like a ton of super famous surfers, which I could not tell you who that is. But when we went to the surf surf shop, they had them all plastered all over the wall with signatures and the whole deal is cool. So is that the place where is it? Is that near the Glacier National Park or whatever it is? No, I don't think so. I'm not sure which glaciers are there, but there's there's so many when you fly when you're flying into any of those places, Yakutat, Juneau, anywhere along the way, it's glacier after glacier after glacier it's insane so there are big glaciers there for sure though yep i wonder i wonder if that's the spot so i have uh some friends i used to surf with in hawaii and stuff he made this video of glaciers falling and then he would surf the waves off of the glacier because they would make a wave and it was so gnarly i've seen that and they 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 pull them out there on jet skis don't they yeah yeah it's so gnarly those guys alaskans (laughs) alaskans though like they're different breeds I know like we get all psyched to go like, like I'm down to go surf there, but Alaskans are different breeds. Like they are gnarly. They're super. Yeah, gnarly. They're hardcore, man. If you, if you're in that environment 24 seven, you got to be gnarly to live there. Absolutely. They know how to survive <laughs> for sure. So uh, let's get into this, dude. So you just got back from ICAST. So you obviously fish a ton, a ton, a ton, a ton. Yeah. I mean, I based my whole life around it for the last, uh, you know, for the last, 13 years so yeah we fish a ton and we travel you know that's the the cool part of what we do with wild fish wild places is we get to go just you know i don't know six or eight bucket list locations a year um you know from alaska we went to the bahamas for two weeks to this remote island south of nasa like 230 miles which we're getting ready to start dropping those so if you're listening to this podcast and you like bonefish and and barracuda and stuff like that those are about to drop um and yeah, the the business part of it, um, you know, that's it's super fun too, right? Like if you have to enjoy the business part of it, of what I do to be successful in the fishing part of what I do. But you know, we had sales meetings before the show started, and then it was just 
meeting after meeting after meeting, you know, people excited about what's coming up and yeah, it's a good feel of the industry. People are really excited right now. That's so funny. You went straight from cold freezing water to like tropical, like two completely opposite climates. And I love that, dude. It's just, that's how fishing can be. That's literally how fishing can be. I was looking at videos of bluefin literally foaming everywhere here in San Diego the other day and the water's warm. It's beautiful. And then all I could look at on my phone was me steelhead fishing with my uncle like last year. And I'm like, dude, I want to go back up and fish Oregon. Like I want to go on my drift boat and just go salmon fishing get some steelhead or whatever. Like there's so many different species of fish all over the world with different climates. It's so weird to me. And you get to go to all those places. It's so epic. We try to, and yeah, it's like, it's, uh, it is really the contradiction, right? Like the major contradiction is like, we're, we're rowing a drift boat in Alaska and there's banks of snow that are, you know, six, eight feet tall. Yes, dude. And so a, a week and a half later, we're burning up with 80 degrees, <laughs> dude. wading the flats. How did you start fishing? Where did you get into it? Uh, you know, I've been fishing since I was a little kid. Uh, my grandma and grandpa used to take me on trips out here in Nevada. I live in Nevada. And, you know, I from there we would, you know, my uncle, my grandpa, my grandma, like we would all go family trips. That's what we would do is fish, fish, fish. And, you know, just started getting into it. I got to go to uh, Belize when I was 16 and chase some tropical. Belican, you know, Belican beer. Fish. Right. What's your Belican, Belican beer? I was 16 years old. As long as you can sit at the bar, they'll send it to you. Dude, Belize <laughs> is so sick. So with Alaska, how many times have you been to Alaska? Oh God, I don't, I can't even tell you to be honest with you. I've been, I usually go at least once every year. I've been every year for probably the last, you know, 13 years, even during COVID we got up to a pretty remote place and um, yeah, I get, I love Alaska. It's pretty, pretty epic. What makes it so special to you? You know, Alaska in so many ways, you know, they all, they call it, you know, the final frontier of the outdoors. And um, there really is just so many different options there. You know, you can, you can go there to one of the places I go and you can fish silvers, right? The silver fishing is just so much fun, active, you know, 13 to 18 pound silver salmon in a river that jump and fight and go crazy. And the next day you can be floating a river, catching giant rainbows on fly rods. And I mean, it's just so much opportunity in Alaska to do different cool stuff, you know? I feel like, especially for somebody like you, you're from Nevada, you guys have good rivers and stuff, right? Like as where I don't know where in Nevada you live, but you guys have amazing bodies of water and you can correlate your fishing types from Nevada into bringing to Alaska or like Oregon or somewhere up in the Pacific Northwest. And that's a huge thing that people don't really see, especially with like salt life. Salt life, a lot of people think it's just like the ocean and that's it. But every single body of water uh, is the same to me. Like it's, it's living the salt life and we can go live the salt life in Alaska. We can go live the salt life in Oregon or Nevada. Like it's so sick because you live in Nevada and you can go fish all these spots and you know how to fish around the world. Yeah. It's uh, it definitely is, man. Like uh, Northern Nevada, we have one of the most famous trout fisheries now in the in the world. Honestly, uh, we have a Lahontan cutthroat at Pyramid Lake, which is one of the hottest fisheries going right now. Everybody wants to come catch a twenty pound cutthroat, and you know it's it's a salt lake. Um, you know it's a it's an alkaline lake, um, caustic, and then you know you you transfer some of those skills, but you know you, you go to Alaska and you start 
floating a river, right? And the river is obviously fresh water and you're drifting it. But the fish that are running up that river that you're targeting live their life in the ocean, right? I know. Yeah. It's crazy. <laughs> and then they go spawn and die off and then they just float back down. Um, yeah. <clears throat> I don't, when I'm trying to remember like, October, right? October is like usually when all those fish start dying off, like all the salmon. Yeah, for the most part, it all kind of depends on which river. Um, and and the the steelhead that we are chasing specifically, they don't die. They they make two or three different runs depending on their lifespan up the river to spawn, and they'll live a, a year up there and get trapped. Sometimes, sometimes they'll make it back to the ocean. But obviously, the salmon they all die. They make their way up and they die, and they fertilize the, you know all the bushes and trees and things and feed the bears and eagles and all that stuff. Circle of life. What's your favorite place in Alaska? Oh man, that's a tough one. Um, I would say my favorite place I've been at this point is probably a lodge called Intricate Bay Lodge, which is on Lake Iliamna. And one of the reasons for that is it's just, it's just a beautiful place, but um, the access to different fisheries there, there's so many different rivers and lakes and, you know, different, uh, you know, you can catch rainbows, you can catch Arctic char, you can catch grayling, you can catch silvers, you know, the whole deal. Wow, that place looks insane. Is that it? Yeah, Intricate Bay. Dude, that place is insane. That's true, though. I mean, you can go to Alaska and you can catch salmon, steelhead, trout, whatever, and then you can go catch halibut in one day. Lingcod, halibut, like all Alaska is filled with fish. And it's so gnarly. Don't get me wrong. Like some places are so remote to get to, and those are the best places. But if you can go okay. spend the time to get there, you're going to get a fish and you're going to get probably some of the best fish of your life. Like it's insane. What, um, yeah, what, no doubt. what were you going for when you were there last time? What kind of fish? Well, we were primarily targeting the steelhead. Um, you know, we were chasing the steelhead. I, I love fishing steelhead. It's a, and up there too, it's a small river, huge fish. Um, I love back rowing plugs, back trolling plugs in this certain situation. Dude, I was just about to go grab a plug to show you. I was going to show you what I use. But anyways, keep going. Sorry. Yes, you got to show me because I'll, I, uh, there's a whole story behind that too. But um, we took one day and we went ocean fishing. We went out chasing halibut, the big halibut there. And it was epic. I mean, there was... I think there was me, the camera kid, my co-host buddy, and two other guests that joined us. And we all caught our halibut by like one o'clock or something. And then we even went and caught it one ocean Chinook too in our time that we had in. It was it was awesome, man. It was all in fact, with that being said, I kind of forgot I just got back after the Bahamas. I actually went to British Columbia, um, to my buddy's place in British Columbia, and we caught a ton of bottom fish, you know. Uh, pulled Dungeness crab traps. You know, we had a big fire on the beach, cooked up some crab and some coho, Chinook, you know. it was. It was Let me grab this plug real quick. Stay here. <laughs> it's funny, dude, because I forgot to bring this one back up. This is like my money, my money diver right here for Steelhead. This is the one little hot shot in, for Oregon time, dude. It's, it's pretty roughed up, but I put this on a fly rod, man, and just sit there off the tip yep. of the drift boat. And just whammo, dude. Like, Steelhead love this thing, bro. It's so funny because those fish sometimes are so tricky, too. Like, 
they're they're weird. Like sometimes they won't eat anything. Like you're throwing spinners on them, like salmon too, though. Salmon will eat spinners, but like you go throw random stuff on them and they just don't bite. And then of course you use like a ten dollar Walmart special fly rod, and then you get a sa- or a steelhead off of this thing, and you're like, what the heck is going on, bro? Yeah, dude, I. We use, uh, I'll show you, well, I actually got one of mine here. This is just a smaller version, but this, yeah, this right here, this plug, it's called a maglet. Skip beat action. It dives. I mean, it's, it's insane. But this here, uh, this is one of the companies I work with. And that right there is probably one of the hottest steelhead plugs that we found. I mean, it's just insane. It's just like, the, it, just the same as what you're talking about. You find the right thing. They dial it in. We actually, you know, we run them on yeah. plug rods, like on plug specific rods. But what's interesting is what you're talking about. Those running them on fly rods is actually a great technique because that's what plug rods are designed to do is they're designed to let that plug work. They've got a really soft, sensitive tip and they let those plugs do their thing. And that's, that's what matters. Right. And it's funny that you're using a fly rod for it. Dude, it's so fun. It is so fun. When when you hook into a big steelhead, first off, for the people listening in, if you're steelhead fishing, especially on a fast-moving river, like I fish the Rogue River all the time, and those fish are strong. They are really, really strong. So when you go throw that out and get a decent-sized steelhead on a plug like that with a fly rod, it is a fight, dude. It's so fun. They tear you up. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. What's your favorite species to, to catch in Alaska? I know you already talked about halibut and steelhead and salmon and everything, but what, what, if you could go right now and get a fish, what would it be? You know, I got two answers for this. If it was before my last couple steelhead trips, I would have told you the Arctic char. Like, I love char fishing. I, just get in a float plane. They drop you off in the middle of nowhere, Alaska. And they, as you're flying the float plane, the pilot's like, well, you gotta, we're going to drop you off here, and you got to walk you know, through here and over this hill. And then you see what I'm seeing, you know, he's, as he's banking the plane, so it's, it's very adventurous, right? Like there's, there's grizzly bears everywhere and you're catching these beautiful colored up char. It's super fun. But I think I am addicted to that steelhead fishing. That's <laughs> because I, so I would sick. have to say steelhead. <laughs> yeah. Hey, we're back to halibut real quick. First off, yes, steelhead are like some of my favorite fish in the world to catch. But what I actually got, to go to Alaska um, with my parents like years ago. And I went on a fishing charter, got some halibut. And they, the whole time they were talking to me about how you can only keep certain sizes up to a certain size. And then there's like a big window of what you can't keep. And I forget what it is. Do you know about like that? I'm not sure the specifics, honestly. Uh, but yes, there's there's the slots that you can't keep. And those are the, those are the breeders. They try to protect those fish that are gonna, you know, breed lay eggs spawn do their thing um and canada is the same way um you know you can only keep a certain size and that's to protect the fishery which is amazing you know that's a good thing because we have not taken care of our fisheries for a long time absolutely so talk to us about tell tell us what the biggest difference is between um in alaska if you're going for halibut versus trout or steelhead uh, what you're using and why it's such a big difference catching those fish so start off with the bottom fishing, right? The, the, the halibut, lingcod, that kind of stuff. Gigantic rods, gigantic reels. They're like, you know, they're super stiff. You know, they're talking, you know, diameter at the base is like that. You know, big 
two speed reels or you put it in four low and, <laughs> and you know you, so you drop it down you feel them bite and then it just you know it's just a battle over that gunnel and honestly it, the fight it's, it's you bring them up from you know 150 250 feet and it's a lot of work and but the 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 meat right the table fare is unmatched and so there's we joke around call it grocery shopping so there's a whole different side to that type of fishing like you're going out you're battling with this big sea monster you shoot them with a 410 in the head pull them in into the boat and the, you know it's just a savage type of deal but they're amazing eating and then the other type of fishing the steelhead the rainbows the arctic char it's more fun fishing to me like i enjoy that type of fishing more you know you're working baits you're working lures you're catching a lot of fish typically um and they don't wear you out one fish or two fish and uh to me it's a lot more sporting a lot more fun to do the smaller stuff but then we don't kill any of those and bring them home the halibut are a great option if you want to eat fish you know absolutely yeah i couldn't agree with more with that one too especially like you said the the quantity of meat that you get from a decent sized halibut is insane lean cod is probably one of my favorite fish to eat and that's a bottom fish and those fish are nuts dude but also bodies of water too steelhead trout salmon are going into rivers um halibut are obviously down down low in the in the ocean um but yeah there's so many different bodies of water and so many different ways to catch these fish um it's so fun and like you said you can use fly rods you can use stiff rods you can use spinners you can use worms you can use jigs whatever you want to use there's so many different things that you can do to get these fish tons of techniques right tons of different techniques and i'll just say like the 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 trip i just got home from but you know in bc i brought 200 pounds of fish home Jeez, dude that is insane that's crazy. I mean, you, you fill your freezer for a year at least. I mean, you get you got to eat a lot of fish, which we do, but yeah, you know, it's pretty epic. Giving it to neighbors and just having fish feasts. What um when you do that, are you getting it processed and then just do they shrink wrap or uh, vacuum put it in bags seal. for it? Yeah, vacuum seal and then. So, my buddy that we go with in in Sandspit, it's called Sandspit Adventures. He's got this state of the art facility. The guys meet you at the boat when you come back in. Throw all your your food, you know. Throw all your fish in the in the uh, wheelbarrows, and they take them up to the lodge. And he's got these guys that just fillet all night long. You know, they 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 have your work order, your license attached to it, and they vacuum seal them and flash freeze them. In fact, uh, my wife and I ate sushi, you know, sashimi uh, salmon last night. You know, made some rice. So sick! It's so good. So Ocean Chinook is. There's nothing better. So when you're salmon fishing in Alaska, I unfortunately I haven't had the opportunity to salmon fish in Alaska. So for us in Oregon, you go to the river right where it meets the ocean. And that is like the spot, like gold beach. There's boats everywhere. Drift boats like crazy, man. Um, is that the same thing in Alaska? Oh man, it's no, it's not the same thing in Alaska. It's somewhat similar um, in some places. And I'll actually be in Gold Beach in a couple of weeks too. I'm on there the middle of August. Um, it's not nearly as crowded. The places that we go for the most part, and that's the beautiful thing about Alaska is there's so much of it. 
And that's the part that sucks about those places like Gold Beach and Bowie 10 and those places. They're great fishing, but God, you got to fight the crowd, which yeah, hundreds. And, and I, I just, it takes a lot of it away for me personally. Um, and Alaska, it doesn't have, and British Columbia too. My buddy this, that we just fished a place in BC, even the place in Alaska that I'm talking about. No, we, we hardly saw another boat. I don't know if we saw another boat. Uh, in BC, we probably saw 10 boats total. And, you know, wide open. And it's just, uh, it's such a different experience as an outdoorsman to go to those remote places and not see them. But the place in the Bahamas I was talking about, we fished it for two weeks and never saw another fish. In the Bahamas. Wow. In the Bahamas. This is 200 and 250 miles south of Nassau, super remote island, but still. So that's that's what I love about What's the biggest difference in the quality and quantity of fish you're catching between like British Columbia and Alaska. You know, it's very similar, honestly. Um, the, the quantity of King salmon, I would say in British Columbia is better. Like we, I, we're, we were landed 27, 30, oh, we landed 27, uh, Kings on the second day we're there and 30 on day three. And we only fished out one. I mean, the salmon fishing was off the, off the chart. I mean, we could, we limited out immediately, obviously. Oh, There's only my. one or whatever. And the bottom fishing was equally as crazy, but I think the bottom fish, I think the the halibut in Alaska for some reason are average. They they're bigger on average. I think they're a little bigger. We catch big ones in BC too, but when we're in Alaska, um in Yakutat at you know, at the lodge that we were staying out, there was, you know, every halibut that we brought in was like 60 to 90 pounds. Jeez, man. Huge. You know, it was a, it was a big fish. <laughs> yeah. That's insane. With, with Alaska too, the climate has a huge effect on the days you can fish, right? Yeah, for sure. And BC is the same way. It's like, you know, your weather has to be right to get to certain places. And, you know, there's always protected areas that you can fish for salmon basically and some bottom fish, but the really good offshore spots that, you know, and what they're looking for, for halibut and uh, lingcod are big offshore humps and, you know, peaks and valleys. And those fish, they, you know, they move up onto those humps to feed. And, you know, my, my buddy Ty Wyatt in Alaska, you know, we were on a spot, but it wasn't right. Like he was off the spot by maybe, you know, you're in the, in the middle of the ocean and he's off of it by 50 yards and he knew it. And he moved, repositioned the boat, and then it was on. And so, you know, they're those fish are very specific on their humps and where they feed and all that sort of stuff too. So, you know, it's you got to have the right weather. Super interesting you say that because um, obviously there's currents underneath too that uh, a lot of people don't think about, and the the size of the weight that you drop with makes the biggest difference in the world. And I don't know how deep you're dropping to, but some of these places you're dropping a couple hundred feet, like. It's gnarly. And those big humps of reef, um, if you're off by, like you said, you know, a foot or two, you're done. You're not going to get a fish. And then you go redrop and you get a fish right away. You know you're on the right spot when you get a fish right away. Yeah. And 100%. And that the, the place that we fished in BC and the place we fished in Alaska was the same. It was like, as soon as your bait, as soon as you feel that your lure hit bottom, your bait hit bottom, we're using big jigs too, big swim, swim baits, like eight and a half ounce swim baits. And as soon as you feel them hit bottom, you have a fish. Like, without question, as soon as it gets near the bottom, it's getting ate. It's just if it's the right one that eats it or not. <laughs> that is so gnarly. Oh, it's so fun, man. 
have you had any like super sketchy situations with weather in Alaska? Oh man. Um, yeah, I have. Um, I've had a couple times where we couldn't, you know, we couldn't fly out right away. Like we were stuck, float plane stuck. We're waiting for fog to lift and just basically, if it doesn't get better, we got to camp. One time in Alaska, the float plane actually left us and we were an hour and a half from the lodge by float plane and we were fishing this spot and the wind switched directions and the float plane comes back to get us late in the day and he, he makes a makes a circle, makes an approach on the other side. It was a big narrow in between two giant lakes. And about the fifth try, he just makes a big bank over us, like with his, you know, the pilot side down, waving at us like, Hey, we'll see you guys later. Are you <laughs> kidding? Got, Did you guys camp? We well, luckily there was an old timer out there that had a little cabin. And he walked down the beach because he kind of saw what was happening. And he said, you know, you can, you know, let's catch some silvers. We got, luckily we caught three silvers at that point. We caught three silvers, laid them out. We were able to eat some fish. It actually ended up being a great experience because we were safe, right? We were in a cabin with this old timer. Um, you know, it was, but if, if it wasn't like, if we'd have had to camp, it'd have been a long night, you know, there's bears and the whole deal around. So, yeah, I mean, you got to, would you go you get out there and it's the, middle of it's nowhere rugged. mother nature wins yeah. yeah that's so sick though i love those experiences there's those are like the best experiences dude i love that and They're i love the, the stories the best stories in the world what what's the best right. time of the year to go fish in alaska oh man well if you're gonna steelhead fish like we're talking about that april may time frame is the best and the bottom fishing's great also um if you're gonna go there looking for king salmon you know, it's a little earlier in the year, July-ish, depending on where you go. Um, silvers, August, September. Uh, the sockeyes, people love catching sockeyes because you can catch so many of them and they're good eating. And that's July. Um, the rainbow fishing opens like June 8th, I think, is the date. Um, so you can go catch big rainbows in June. You know, and then they start stacking in later, the big Arctic char in the fall, like late September, early October, the big lake char come up and start staging and eating, you know, flesh and stuff like that, eggs, and they're all colored up. So it just depends on what you want to target, what time of year you want to be there. And what kind of rockfish do they have over there? You know, to be honest, the only ones we really caught, you know, we caught lingcod, obviously. Um, there's like the canary fish, there's the black bass and stuff like that. But other than that, I don't, I'm not really on that side of it much yeah i know it's, it's i feel like if i were to go to alaska right now it'd be halibut and salmon fishing and like steelhead trout like you said like you know you don't really you kind of don't really think about that you know like you can go get rockfish anywhere so uh when you go there you want to get the good stuff when you're when you're going on those trips are you usually doing guided trips or are you doing everything yourself you know we try to do a lot of it myself um i don't really like being guided to be honest with you i love fishing to me is is figuring stuff out that's why like when we go steelhead fishing we're rowing our own boats we're doing our own thing um you know i'm crazy i'm crazy psychotic about fishing and figuring out patterns and putting the pieces of the puzzle together if you watch our show you'll hear me reference that all the time um when we go to bc and alaska like out on the ocean you know we have to have we have to be with a guide and and that's a kind of a different experience because they're running the boat big swells you know yeah. ocean stuff is different um when i go to 
Um, Canada. I go to Saskatchewan on Thursday. You know, there's a couple days from now when you guys are listening. And, you know, I'll run the boat a lot. My buddy Bruce that owns a place will run the boat. But if he's not with me, I'll run the boat. I don't I don't like having anybody else run my boat for me typically. Yeah, yeah dude. That, that's funny you say that because even like drift boat fishing too, like I'll let my dad will get behind the oars because he's been rowing boats since he was 12 years old, you know, and grew up in Oregon. But I like between him, myself, and my uncle, we're like the only three people that I'm like, okay, I know that you can put me in the spot and, and row like back row upstream or use the, the little outboard on the back to put us in the right spot. But everyone else, I'm like, uh, no, I'd rather just stick with who I'm, I can trust driving the boat, dude, because if, when they put you in the right spot, they can put you in the right spot. But if you're in the wrong spot, it can get sketchy. So sketchy yeah dangerous sketchy and not productive to catch a fish either because obviously you're well versed in back trolling plugs so you're right like so you when you're back rolling a plug for a steelhead for any fish really you have to be aware of where that plug's at at all times and you you have to understand how to get that plug to where those fish are in the right time too you can't just drop in where those fish are and, and just let a plug out you got to back row from the top and and back those back those things down, you know, down that current, down into those pockets, down into those seams, and it either pushes those foot fish back or they eat. And you know, there's there is absolutely an art and a skill to back row the plugs. Absolutely, it takes a, a lot of practice and uh, a lot of practice behind the oars too, for sure. What um what kind of gear are you bringing, or what is some must have gear to go to Alaska? Oh, I mean. Right off the bat, polarized glasses. I mean, that's the first thing, right? And that's one of the things, and I don't want to make this a sales pitch, but one of the things about salt life, the glasses the, with the Zeiss lenses, if you're a Western, if you're a big game hunter, that it immediately, automatically brings respect to what's going on here. So, yep, there you go. Polarized glasses and those ones for me, the Zeiss lenses are epic. But, I mean, if you can't see in, in the water and you can't see – not only the fish, but can't see the structure. You're pretty well screwed. Um, but other than that, um, you know, line counter reels, um, one just a game changer, like low profile line counter reels, because once again, you start breaking all this stuff down to a science and you know that you want those plugs. They're getting eight when you put them 56 feet behind, you know, in front of the boat when you're back rowing you're getting crushed fluorocarbon leader braided line um plug rods like we talked about like all those things as far as gear goes is is a necessity in my opinion it it changes the game right when you start figuring out all the little um nuances right all every little tiny bit matters you know line diameter speed color size i mean you start talking about all this stuff and when you break it down so to, to so many details, it changes what, when you get to the boat launch, you know, we landed 20 steelhead the last day we were there. And the next best guy that we talked to out of 40 or 50 people was three or four fish. So you've, that's the difference, right? 20 fish versus four or five fish, three or four fish is the difference, right? What about clothing? Are you like layered up with all sorts of stuff? Yeah, so that we'll we'll just stay with the you know every trip is a little different obviously, but um, you know the steelhead trip on the river we were wearing waders and boots. So underneath the waders I wear uh, a set of fleece pants, wool socks, 
breathable waders, lug lug boots, and then like for me, I layer up with my my hoodie, my Salt Life hoodie, um, and then the rain jacket on top of that, and you know the base layer, and you're pretty pretty well set for a lot of different conditions right there you know if somebody wanted to go to alaska for their first time to go fishing um where would you recommend them going and and like obviously would it be with a guide or is there a lodge that you can go to you know i I think first it would come down to what do you want to chase like there's so many people like that are different than me like I, i would choose a steelhead diy silver rainbow trip over ocean fish any day of the week but most people, when they think of Alaska, they think of that Ocean Chinook, you know, coho and bottom fish. So I think the first thing that, you know, if somebody's new wanting to go do a trip like that is figuring out what do you want to catch? Is it important that I bring fish home? That's another thing. Most places we go, we don't bring fish home ever. It's all catch and release. But if, if bringing fish home is big, then you definitely want to check out those coastal those coastal markets. I mean, Yakutat's a great place to go. Ketchikan, Juno, all those places up that coast have fantastic fisheries. You know, if, if you're a fly fisherman and you want to catch trout and char and silvers, stuff like that, completely different conversation. You know, Knack River is one of my favorite places. Intricate Bay Lodge, um, you know, places like that is you know that's what you need to look into and you know if if you're listening to this podcast and you're thinking about doing a trip reach out to me you, you can get a hold of me you know dennis is mr wild fish wild places and i will give you some guidance on that because there's so when you start digging into those lodges there's so many places to go and i've been i've been to a lot of them and i'm gonna tell you straight up that they're not all the same um you know the 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 services that you get the guides that you get and the fishing that you get are, are they, they vary a lot. So if somebody wants to, if is thinking about going, definitely reach out to me. I'll give you some pointers and some, some contacts, no pressure. Just talk to the right people. I've, ha- I've heard it so many times. You screw up, right? Like they don't talk to the right people. They get on a website and it looks great and they go there and they're really disappointed. They spent 10 grand for a couple people and they're just super disappointed. You know, speaking of, hitting you up and stuff you obviously have social media you have instagram what's your youtube channel give us your whole entire uh social media book that you have (laughs) basically everything's under wild fish wild places so wild fish wild places instagram facebook and youtube and uh it's wild fish wild places you can find me anywhere rad man well uh thank you so much for coming on uh you're definitely gonna have to uh cruise up to oregon sometime dude i got a sweet little boat my parents have a place on the river there we should uh try to book a little little trip we can go drift boat fishing oh my god dude let's do it let's film a let's film a trip oh it'd be insane we'd have so much fun and i would probably learn so much from you so we got to do that okay i'm in man i'll be up there let's uh we got my number let's chat after this and and uh see what we can do Absolutely. Thanks for coming on, Dennis. And thanks, everybody, for listening in to uh, this podcast. We'll catch you next time. Thanks, everybody. Thanks for listening in to Above and Below, a Salt Life podcast. Make sure to follow us on Instagram at Real Salt Life. If you've enjoyed this episode, rate and review us on Apple or Spotify or wherever you listen to your podcast to help spread the word. And remember, stay salty.